This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern alongside Greg Crumpton, as always. Greg, good to talk to you today, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thank you. Appreciate the, the uh, time and the attention today to get this done. We've got a uh, really... Really cool guy joining us who's a longtime uh, buddy, advocate, co-worker, you name it, we've done it. And uh, <laughs> just look forward to, to carrying on the conversation. You know, I was listening to a couple of the uh, the episodes the other day. I was on an airplane and, and I was just listening to see, all right, what are you doing that needs to get better? Because, um, you know, uh, I'm, we, we started this thing really cold yeah, and without, yeah. without any real coaching or anything. <laughs> So, um, but it was fun listening to how these things are evolving. So looking forward to, uh, to our guest today. So why don't you tell us about him? His name is Mike Kelleher. He is a longtime mechanical and engineering veteran. Uh, like you mentioned, Greg, uh, you guys have known each other for a long time. So happy to welcome Mike to the podcast. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks. Thanks, Tyler. Nice to, nice to be invited on. Nice to meet you. And Greg, it's always good to talk to you. I mean, yeah, uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm eager for the opportunity myself. I'm, I'm grateful to have you in my friend circle and glad our paths have crossed and we've stayed in each other's lives all these time, you know? Well, Mike, it's hard to believe that, uh, We've been hanging out for 16 years. Um, <laughs> you, you said that number earlier when we were getting our gear set up, and uh, wow, I, I I knew it had been a long time because you, know, you were much younger then, and uh, mm-hmm. now you're not. So I guess that means I'm aging with you. But yeah, we're, we're I, becoming more vintage is the <clears throat> phrase I like to use. Go. Seasoned. So. Oh yeah, that's even better. You know, yeah, it's in fact, you when you and I met, I hadn't even had uh, my daughter wasn't around yet. She's fourteen no. now. She's a ninth yeah. grader. So I mean, tell me that doesn't make you feel old. That does. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I needed a good slap this morning. Sorry. So. <laughs> well, you know, over those uh, over those years, we've done a lot of stuff at work, and we've had some fun away from work as well. And um, you know, the the whole premise of of this podcast that we do is to talk about those relationships and and how you know we we form those bonds uh because we're getting paid to do it um mm-hmm. for for the initial meeting anyway like you said uh you know we met in 04 uh that's 2004 so I don't want to date myself but um <laughs> You know, we, we've worked at nights and we've worked weekends and we've worked weird hours of solving customer problems. And, you know, through those experiences, you just, you know, you, you figure out like, okay, I, I, I have a good feeling about this guy and we can work together and have fun and get mm-hmm. work done. So, totally. just, uh, you know, that that's kind of the premise of it. And I, and I agree. And it's funny because, you know, when we met, it was when we were, when I was, Working at that one campus, there's a big corporate campus in University area, Charlotte. I don't know if we want to give the name or not, but it's a it's a beautiful campus, six buildings, and it's got these really uh, super robust, like high technology data centers in them and critical environments. These places that are a little unusual. They're uh, they're they're exotic in their infrastructure, and so when something goes wrong with one of those things, uh, it gets real intense real quick. You know, these are the types of places where you know every 15 minutes there's something wrong in that floor you've just spent 10 million dollars so as you can imagine tensions 
ratchet kind of high. So, you know, with you and me meeting in that environment and being able to deal with some of the things that happen there, you're exactly right. That's, I mean, that's, you're in the gauntlet with somebody and you're like, okay, we're going into battle together. And when you get each other's backs consistently, you know, it really helps illustrate the quality of the person and their character. You know, I think it's, so it's a weird, I don't know, perhaps you'd call it trauma bond. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it does, it really does happen like that. If you talk to guys that have been in battle and war together, you know, those bonds last forever. I, I don't want to, to say that a, a chiller or a crack unit or a UPS is as, you know, um, no critical as war, but it's that same sentiment, you know, who do you want in the foxhole with you? And, um, you know, we, we, we've made it, you know, we, we, we came through. Apparently we're pretty good at it. Either that or we're fooling a lot of people, you know, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> we got them on the hook. So, well, tell it, tell, uh, the group here in, in, you know, I always boast how many millions and millions of listeners we have. So this is a good way to get your story out, but how, um, how did you come to be in the mission critical data center world where you and I like, I mean, not only met, but we like to be in that world. So yeah, what, it's what an interesting story. Actually, it was actually it was all a mistake. <laughs> My life has a common theme of some happy accidents just kind of turning out. So I had been uh, I, I'm a guy I, I tried college twice uh, and I'm just not a college guy. And you know, I'm just for some reason, I, I found the, the process challenging. And during one of my attempts when I was going to school, I started working part time in apartment maintenance. And I found that I was pretty good with my hands and pretty good with basic electrical and plumbing and HVAC and setting air conditioners and water heaters and that kind of stuff. And so I did that for around 10 years. Um, and that's just for me, that wasn't a very fulfilling job. You know, only so much money you can make. You're constantly having to drive out to the site in the middle of the night and plunge people's toilets and all that unglamorous <laughs> stuff. And so, uh, you know, I'd been wanting to get out of it for a while. I had heard that you could make uh, a better living if you move to commercial maintenance, like in office buildings and stuff. And so I got laid off from a job and it was right after September 11th, actually, September 11th, 2001, I got laid off and I was unemployed for the first time in my adult life. And was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I started applying to stuff in the newspaper and I got a job for a company that was around at the time called Trammel Crow. Uh, and it was for EDS, which was Ross Perot's old computer company. They were yeah. later purchased by HP. And they had three facilities in Charlotte. One of them was a data center. Now, keep in mind, I didn't know what a data center was. Despite being a computer guy and a geek, right. I had no idea. So my first day on the job, they're like, hey, meet the chief engineer over this building. He'll give you a tour. So I go through and he's walking me through and he walks me across that data floor and it's 55,000 square feet of rows and rows and rows of servers. And we're going through the battery room and there's batteries up to the ceiling. And he's pointing out, there's the hydrogen detector so the room won't explode. And he's, here's the static transfer switches. and Here's a 4,000 amp transfer switch. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm playing it cool because it's my first day on the job. But in my head, I'm like, I don't even know what this is. And so I went home and told my, my then girlfriend at the time, I said, man, I'm going to get fired because... <laughs> I evidently airbrushed my skills more than I thought I did in the interview or something and was mortified and terrified that I was going to be found out. And so eventually, of course, I realized they hired me to be, you know, the junior guy. I was the new guy and they'll, I'll, I'll do the toilet plunging and the, the ballast changes and stuff like that. And once I realized that's what I was going to be doing, I was like, okay, well, I just started hanging out with the old timers and picking their brains and, hey, man, why are you doing that? And I'd come in Saturday night, go, man, you don't have to pay me. Just let me watch generator maintenance. What's that like? Why are we doing that? What's a load bank? And, 
you know, and so once that revelation came to me and I saw how complex and how uh, detailed all this stuff was, it became fascinating to me. I was like, oh, because I was dissatisfied in the apartments because I'm like, there's only so much stuff you can do to a residential heat pump. You know, but when you're dealing with, uh, you know, generator paralleling gear and stuff, there's always something that's going to challenge you. You're always going to have to figure something out. You're never really totally going to have everything figured out. And there's something about that challenge that I really like and enjoy. And so a few years later, that's when I ended up at the other place. And uh, that's where you and I met. And we've been stuck with each other ever since. <laughs> well, while you were, <clears throat> excuse me, while you were telling the story of EDS and I was quickly flashing back of how uh, I wound up working there um, as a contractor through our mutual friend, Randy Pizzera. And mm -hmm. I think Randy has since retired. But Randy worked for a company called the Paget Group out of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Um, years and years ago. And as of last year, the company I worked for, Service Logic, wound up acquiring Paget. So, oh, no kidding. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you were talking that through, I was like, God, that's, I had forgotten about that loop of the circle. Um, so that's just one more layer of complex. It's so funny the way it works like that, right? That the, the whole six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing, you know, yeah, just, it's ridiculous exactly. how much things are connected. Randy would be thrilled if we were comparing him to Kevin Bacon. So. That's right. Well, he's better looking, of course. I mean, but you know. Well, that, that is, uh, I, I'm so. It was cool to hear that, you know, college wasn't for you, wasn't for me. Um, yep. And, you know, a big theme of my life is trying to uh, re resupply the uh, skilled trades industry with people coming into it. And uh, we just did a video, you know, Denny Bongart well. Oh, sure. And so last week we did a video with Denny um, in in showcasing you don't have to go to college to have a good career a successful life good family and now denny's retiring in december so um we're we're using this video that and, and tyler's uh compadres there at market scale who run this awesome uh podcast um well at least their part's awesome um <laughs> They're, they're working to put this video together. It, it's going to be so cool to show, okay, you, you don't have to go to college and you can still have this successful life. And uh, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it with Denny in there. So I think that's cool that you're doing that because you're exactly right. And I, speaking for myself, you know, the way I was brought up, uh, you know, my, my parents, you know, born in the 40s, you know, so generation that kind of right after the depression kind of thing. So from from their vantage point, you know, if to ever have a serious job and career was you, you had to have a college degree, it simply was not an option. So I spent many years feeling very guilty, uh, feeling like because I, you know, they'd offered to pay for my school and I went and I just wasn't interested at all. And so I felt like I'd wasted that opportunity. And when I was remaining stuck in apartment maintenance. I, I felt I, I, for a, a several years, for a long time, I felt quite guilty. And it wasn't until I discovered the critical environments that the light bulb kind of went on. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not limited at all at what I can achieve and how far I can go and how much money I can make, you know, and how much influence I can have and all that stuff. And it's, it wasn't about ego. It was just about going, hey, man, here's the way I can actually provide a life for myself and my family and use my brain. Like, yeah. you know, and I love that. I, that's very satisfying to me. Well, I think it's so, it's just so important 
because, you know, we're all probably, I know I am, I'm sitting in an air conditioned environment. I'm using <laughs> electricity. I just got out of the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, so all these skills that are required to keep our homes and, and businesses and buildings and data centers and everything running, you know, there has to be that, that, re-infiltration of workers because and, and i talk about this all the time and i know people probably thinking god dang i wish he would go ahead and retire about this but um <laughs> i'm the last year of the baby boomer generation i was born in 64 and but over excuse me over the next few years so like the next nine years there's going to be a huge outrush and, and continue to be an outrush of people retiring like Randy Pizarra, like me, mm -hmm. um, yep. because we're in, and not because of, but we're not bringing in the proper amount of people to backfill those positions. So very, uh, very interesting times, but we, it's just so important. So uh, every chance I get to tell somebody about, you know, working with your hands and, and your brain, like you said, uh, give, give our industry a look or welding or something, you know. Um, last week we were in Pittsburgh uh, shooting a video for the Union School, and it was all about the soft skills side of the mechanical. Oh, people forget and, that part. Yeah, I mean, it's so important that, you know, you, you roll up in front of a building and you're about to charge somebody 150 bucks an hour to go in there and work. How do you present yourself and your company and your industry? So it, it was fun. But, you know, in talking with the recruiters, the organizers there, you know, they're, they're you know, always looking for people to bring in. So it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. So. And it's great being able to, because <laughs> in my role now, you know, I, I work for a big company. We support one of the big two banks in the United States. And uh, I, I get involved with recruiting and the interviewing process and developing the engineers. And I get a lot of satisfaction when I see guys who are either new to the business, you know, or they're young and new to the business, much like I was back when you and I met. And I like spotting those guys and seeing the light bulb go on or helping the light bulb go on from going, hey man, listen, you're good at this. If you work on this thing and this thing and this thing, you could be like a star. Like if you dig where I'm at right now, you could have my job, you can do this. I am not smarter than you. I've just been doing this a couple of years longer than you have and you can learn this stuff if you're interested in that. And so it, to me, that's a, you know, it's been a very good uh, industry for me. It's been very rewarding. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of being able to introduce some other people to it because they just don't realize it. People don't, they, yeah. they talk about trades, but they don't really think about what it means to be a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer or a building controls engineer or what they don't, because it's so hard to figure it out. It's a dense industry. And when you ask somebody, you'll get 75 different answers full of terminology you don't even understand. And oh no, it's too complicated, you know? But that, <laughs> so, that's a great point though, Mike, because if people, you say, you know, the air conditioning industry, Mm -hmm. Well, God, there, there's so many verticals within that one industry, you know, are you residential, commercial, industrial, data center mm -hmm. focused, liquid cooling, you know, I mean, hydronic specialists, you got all these different routes you can go. And it's really cool for you to do the mentoring and the coaching role, because when, like you were describing, 
you getting it. You know, you're up there three o'clock Sunday morning watching the load bank test mm -hmm. and, and it finally clicks. Like this is some cool stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I remember when I got it. Um, and I think it gives us the ability as, as people who have come through the ranks of, you know, the different positions of doing the hands-on work. I think it gives us a unique perspective of how to help the younger talent get that point uh, get to that point absolutely i think that's a that's a really key part at least it is for me and and i think it helps them relate to us right like because so when i'm talking to a guy who's 25 and he's just been an engineer with us for six months or something and i see he's kind of overwhelmed by some of the stuff if i'm giving him perspective and he know, and i share my story with him i'm like dude i'm like i was a guy caulking bathtubs you know in apartments you know yeah. i i was the guy hanging ceiling fans i'm not some degreed pedigreed dude like i'm not some i don't have this insane skills i'm not stephen hawking if i can do this if the toilet plunger guy can do this you can definitely do this and something about sharing that dude i, I came up through these roles over the years i did it uh if i did it you can do it and that's that makes me happy to do because people did that for me coming in and, and greg right. i gotta be honest without sounding patronizing you were one of those people even though like i didn't work directly for you but you knew your your trade so well. You knew all the nuances of it. You were articulate and you were also free to share information with me, the new guy. Like, man, I didn't, when, I, when we met, I'd never worked on a chiller before. I knew what they right. were. I had a vague concept, but because you acknowledged that and you shared that and you were encouraging of that and you'd ask me questions and sometimes even challenge me a little bit, I enjoyed that. That was a, a vital part of our initial bond, I think. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it helped. I think it, it folks like us tend to do better with that environment yeah. and, you know, helping, you said it, somebody helped you, you know, I, I can count on my one hand, some really key individuals who gave me the, the ammunition. Now to your point and, and to, to my point, <clears throat> this was not a gift. You had to go to work on it and you had to study and you had to spend your time developing your career and mm -hmm. you know that's the other piece that i love to see in, in young folks is when they're dedicated to educating themselves and they don't go home and watch freaking american idol they'll go <laughs> home and crack a book and right. understand how a capacitor works because that's the difference in, in having a job and having a career and really a lifestyle, you know, I, I think our, what we do is, yeah, you know, I say we, I don't do that anymore. I wish I did more of it, but <laughs> due to life, I don't do as much of that hands-on stuff, but you, you, it's the work ethic and it's understanding right now means right now and tomorrow morning's coming. So we can't quit and go home because we're tired and that stick to itness and and being um you know really like battling the situation and overcoming that situation is so rewarding and when you get to help young folks or or even people who are transitioning not just young but new folks to the industry when you see that 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 light bulb as you define it click you're like that's cool yeah, that's you, cool you, because you're, you, I feel like I'm paying it back, you know? Yeah, your, your efforts are being recognized and your reward is seeing that eyeball go, oh, 
I got that. <laughs> and, and it's such a cool feeling. It really is. I mean, it's that about that's the whole key to life. I think it's about being open to possibility. It's about trying to put as much positive energy as you can out into the world. Cause Lord knows there's enough negative energy in every facet of our lives. And so just, you know, I, I'm like Lebowski, man. I'm like the dude. I just want everybody just to <laughs> abide. You know, that's, that's like my patron saint. You know I mean? I'm just like, dude, that's still how I want to be. I just, let's just be cool to each other. Why should I, why should I nitpick this young guy, make him feel like, Oh, listen, you're, you're the greenhorn. Let me tell you how it's going to be. I can pull that ego and feed my own ego and make myself feel like I'm a genius and talk over his head on purpose. I could do that, but I don't want to do that. I had guys do that to me sometimes and I did not enjoy that feeling. Why would I do that? So why not be cool to that guy and encourage him a little bit? And next thing you know, a year later, he's getting promoted and he's all stoked about it. And you can see him excited and he's telling his family and their you know, his wife's having a kid and they're buying their first house. It's just like, you get to be a part of that, even if it's That's just right. a small part, you know? So, but, and think about this too. You and I both use the term guy a lot when we're talking oh, about that, our, that's true yes <laughs> and, and that's not i mean for me i know how many smart women are out there and are making a dent in this industry i listened to a podcast the other day with with a guy i know named gary mccready uh and and i'll plug gary because he's a good dude hvac know-it-all is his mm. podcast that's a cool and name he lives up in toronto and he had a young lady on there who was taking on her family business. She's second or third generation. And she works in the field instead of in the office because nice. she wants to understand. And she's a first-year apprentice in, a, in an apprenticeship program. And, man, it was so cool to hear that passion and that fire in that young lady of why she's doing this. And she didn't want to be, you know, the chick sitting in the office quoting work. Right. When she when she got to that station in life, she wanted to understand the work she was quoting. So I just thought that was really cool. No, I do. I, I'm really glad you bring that up. Actually, you're, you're right. We do. We do tend to use that. And for some reason, and, and you know this, I mean, for some reason that the trades industry seems to it seems to be largely men that gravitate towards it. And as a as a father to a 14 year old daughter, I like to make sure that she understands, like, you know, the gender roles don't apply to what you can and can't do. And so I, I, I love seeing more women come into technical industries like this because it, you know, it's just a different point of view, a different perspective, a different temperament, just like one person's different from another. And I like to see more of that. Um, I'd love to see more than I do. I just don't, I don't see that many. So I love hearing stories like that of somebody who's really digging in and uh, taking it seriously because, man, these, this whole idea that, oh, well, you're, you know, you're the girl, you should be in the office doing the facility coordinator stuff, whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with those jobs, but if you want to go in the field, if you want to take a brazing torch and set a unit, you know, if you want to be there and guide the crane to lift that chiller up on the roof, well, honey, get out there and do it just like any of us yeah. would, you know? So I love that. That's a good point. So, yeah, there, so Mike, Nash, Tyler, is that you? Yeah. Am I, am I walking on you? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, you're I'm good. I'm just excited, man. You you are excited. You are excited. <laughs> no, so I, I just wanted to ask, because Mike has mentioned it a couple of different times, just uh, what he learned from his experience entering the industry and how that shapes how he mentors and, and trains. So I just wanted to get some, some bullet points of some things that, that maybe you learned 
um, from from how you entered the industry, Mike, and you know uh, ways to do things and ways also not to do things that you've then implemented and that you've kind of put into practice uh, for your you know for your job now and how you build those relationships and uh, you know and and foster that next generation of uh, of employees. Um, okay, it's that's a great question. That's obviously there's a lot of answers to it. Um, you know, I but think there's but only whenever... one right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I gotta get the right one. Oh, uh, you know, I, I think it's overall, it's just a, it's an ability to, to take a challenge and not really know how you're going to get through something and being able to remove yourself from the emotion of the moment. You know, I'm, a, I'm a big meditator, so it's funny. My experience with meditation kind of converged at the same time I was discovering this industry, but when, when, when the alarm bells are going off and smoke's rolling out and, you know, sprinklers are going off and, and really airy, um, you can get swept up by that emotion. And that emotion is going to, it's going to impede your ability to make wise choices and to communicate. And so that's probably the singular most important thing that this uh, business has taught me that I try to relate to people. I'm like, look, it's going to come at you hot and heavy sometimes, and you're not going to know when. It might be 3 o'clock in the morning. You're going to bolt right up upright out of bed, and you're going to be wide open for the next 24 hours. You're not going to sleep. You're barely going to eat. It's going to be scary, you know, but if you can keep your wits about you and not get caught up in the urgency of that and all the screaming voices and mm-hmm. all that stuff, if you can keep your cool, you can really uh, – you can really change the outcome of a situation. And sometimes you can really help. You can really do a lot of things. When you've got that experience, you can make a difference. You can, you, you can prevent something that was bad from getting really bad. So that's absolutely a big part of what I try to make sure guys see. And then also just realize that sometimes things aren't what they seem on the surface. You know, they're a lot more complex. There are much more, there are many more nuances to, different aspects of this job than, than one might think. You know, Greg said it earlier, you know, that you think about like the air conditioning business, people have a rough idea of that, but that's really complex. You've got guys that specialize in these, you know, these centrifugal systems or, you know, high, high critical cooling systems that provide humidification and leak detection under raised floors and all this really complex. And then there's the guys that speak the language that these big chillers speak to each other this you know building automation and stuff like that it's there's so much complexity so don't dismiss something uh or try to put it in a box and kind of go okay it's electrical work well that means a lot of different Mm -hmm. things you know so those those two aspects have been really important um kind of guideposts for me you know mike that that um you're just talking and i was thinking about this morning i was writing uh something for our company about uh, business continuity and just kind of preparing for the upcoming uh, upcoming and current hurricane season, just, mm-hmm. you know, think, thinking about it and um, just all over stuff. And, you know, when you're talking about the complexity of these systems that we work on in mission critical facilities, there's always a root cause and yep. being able to, to cross trades and think about okay i got a chiller problem but is it really an electrical problem mm-hmm. did i have a problem with the generator syncing up and and it knocked the chiller off because of phase protection yeah. there's so many things that uh that you can really drill down to and and see that's what i like is that detail i love figuring out that detail and um i was talking to my wife yesterday and neither one of us are like wacko 
NASCAR fans, but you know, I'm aware of it. We live in Charlotte. Mm. I watch the races. Um, not it very often anymore, but when I can. <laughs> so they had this uh race in Michigan, I think it was two weeks ago, and one guy went ran and won both races on Saturday and Sunday consecutive days. And and his name's Kevin Harvick. And I was listening to an interview with him on the radio afterwards or, or the next day or whatever and they said what what makes the difference and because um, you know these guys are spending 30 million dollars a year on mm -hmm. these race teams and they're all running within a half a second on a three mile track or whatever and he said the attention to the details that his crew chief puts into that car allows him to win consistently and that always takes me back to that mission critical mindset and then the the trades in general that the the days of generalization are kind of over you know yeah you, you have to really drill down and it when you and, and this is time back into finding those folks who love to drill that I, I just love that piece of detail about what we what we do and why we do it you know is that root cause analysis i love that mm -hmm. it's like a weird scavenger hunt you know you got to figure out where's this missing item somewhere you know and the other thing is most of us that are in that part of that world are kind of wacky to begin with. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I really think that having a wacky nature gives you the ability to think differently so that you don't, well, you, you said it well, don't, don't think it's one thing when it could be a, the other. You have to be crazy enough to think a bit differently of, okay, what else could it be? So mm -hmm. an, a, another trade is uh, another trade is being weird. So there you go, Tyler. <laughs> now you know the secret. Dang it! <laughs> there now we all go. All the weirdos are going to come take our jobs, sauce. man. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Well, that that's really cool. I, I love being able to talk about that stuff, and I, I know that 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 environment is what allowed our relationship to you know to foster and, and to have grown over these last 16 years. Yeah. Um, so what, and we what, apply that to things other than work too, right? Like, again, that's part of your personality is to be kind of intense and, and thinking through things all the time. And so we, we've had conversations like this over a cheeseburger talking about the most non-industry things, but it's because I way your brain's in a similar, but it's also different. Uh, so that's absolutely part of it it's finding it's finding somebody who's from your tribe it's like oh you're 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 wired kind of like i am you know yeah another freak that's right another, another weirdo <laughs> so what do you uh what are you doing now in, in your current role of, of trying to i know that you're nurturing and coaching and leading mm -hmm. um how are you setting yourself up for like your your final work because you're you're younger than i am but i know you got a you always have a good view of what's coming. Yeah, I still what, got what some are you years in on me. next. Um, so, I mean, really, so I'm 48 now. Uh, so, in this business, I feel, still feel like I've got some good runway out in front of me. Uh, yeah. So, the role I'm in now, it's a, it's a regional management role where um, I'm helping things like make documentary things when they're doing uh, work and it's something that's scripted and you've got to follow this very strict 
mop method of procedure. I'll kind of go through those with them go, hey, right here, you should take that fire system offline before you do this because you don't want the smoke detectors to go off. Oh, it's a good idea. So it's about refining those things. It's about helping the guys understand, look, I know you don't love this paperwork thing, but the reason we're doing this is this is your insurance. So if God forbid something happens, the folks at the bank can't come at you and say, hey, man, we didn't know you were doing that. This is the way you're so it's teaching them those things. And it's trying to develop those guys to the point where they can eventually step into the role that I'm in because I ultimately am interested in the idea of being a director of engineering for uh, a company somewhere. I, I feel like I have enough experience where I could help develop an, an, an entire team. I mean, I'm, I'm at the top end of our group uh, internally now. You know, I'm sort of, I'm in that, that leadership team right there, but I, I'm very interested in being the director. I'd like the buck to stop with me. And, and again, that doesn't come from an ego thing. I just would like the opportunity to set an environment and kind of set the tone for the culture. Yeah. No, that's and cool. Make, and that's, that's inspiring to me. I've also thought about going, well, one day it'd be kind of cool to maybe even be a consultant and come in and just have my own company where I do that. But that scares the heck out of me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not the fearless entrepreneur like you are. I, I'm trying to be, but I'm not quite there yet. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to say you, the the first answer of taking <laughs> ownership and running the whole program would be that, or emulating Jack Johnson on the beach strumming a guitar. <laughs> that was kind of can, my two mental choices. I could do that too. You know me and the guitar. I have to put that down. I've got to have the musician to counterbalance the uh, the artist part of me has to counterbalance the the engineer. I I sometimes like to say you know it's like in my head. If I think of my mind, you know, left brain, right brain, I like to think of it like like the up, upper floor of a house. You know, the stairway comes up in the middle. The, the guy that lives over in the left bedrooms on that side, he's, he's the music guy and the art guy and the movie guy and the story guy and the emotion guy. And then the guy who's in the bedroom over on the right, he's the guy that's going to study something and talk about facts and figures and KW and, and KVA and power factor. And usually I'm listening to one guy or the other, but if I'm really doing my stuff right, I can kind of stand in the hallway and talk to both guys. You know, it's like, it's just different sides of the coin, you know? Well, that, that is so, that's a great way to describe that. Cause this morning over coffee, Connie and I were talking about people that have EQ, uh, in an equal ratio as IQ mm -hmm. and being able to not only figure out that physics problem, but also listen to this young lady describing how she's having trouble fixing the physics problem. And mm -hmm. um, it was really, it was a cool conversation. Um, but I think that that was really cool the way you described that. I've never thought about it that way. I always kind of fall back on, uh, I think it was, um, God, was it Kenny Chesney had a song that says, uh, you're either chasing demons or demons are chasing you. So <laughs> and if, like you're going, if you're going in a continuous circle, eventually you get one, one catches the other. So I always thought that was a funny song. Yeah. Just, you know, not to, to quote Dory, you know, just, just keep swimming, just keep yeah. swimming, you know, no matter what, or, or, or if you want to be a little tougher about it, you go Winston Churchill. <laughs> if you're going through hell, keep going, you know, <laughs> don't stop. Keep going, man. Well said. Well, Tyler, what are you thinking? You got uh, you got any good <laughs> nuggets that you've taken away from this where you can help us backfill the skilled trades gap? We're always looking. 
<laughs> no, but uh, I, I I do think it is it, it is valuable to hear people like you guys talk about your experiences, you know, and I I think that that's always um, that that a big thing for for industries and for uh mm-hmm. you know for for any type of profession is to be able to see role models who have gone and done things to know that it is possible right and so um having people that that you can emulate what they did and take from their experiences and and see okay this is a this is a viable path forward for me you know and and greg i think you were mentioning you know oh okay like it's it, it makes it easier for a young person to say, oh, I can go into this profession and, you know, have a great career, you know, have a family, buy a house, you know, do these sorts of things. I think being able to kind of chart that path forward and to show that, hey, other people have done this successfully and there are needs here in this area, I think, I think from my perspective anyways, is is a powerful testament to um, to what you can do in this industry and for young people that, uh, you know, that, that are looking for that next thing and maybe college wasn't for them, uh, maybe it was, you know, but, but just having people that have done it kind of gives you that, um, gives you that vision for what your life can be as well. And so I think it's always valuable to have, uh, you know, have a, a podcast like this where we have know. those types of conversations God, because God bless that um, guy. you never know who <laughs> might listen to it and who, um, might, uh, who might be the next Greg Crump. Don't need more than some counseling. I'll or Mike Kelleher. No, no, you know, it, it, I think you also, you know, Mike and, and I will both, I'm sure, attest to this because several people come to my mind that we mutually know of things not to do, you know. Yes. And because scar tissue is a great reminder of what didn't work. And you can take all the positives. And then you also have to balance that with what mm. not to do that you've seen others do that was done upon uh, to you or you witnessed, you know, one of your coworkers. I think it's important to, to you know, I remember being a, a kid, um, 20, 23, whatever. And I would, I had this little black address book that I kept in my service truck. And I remember writing stuff down of, okay, one day when I'm running my gig, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> Did you really? You know, That's interesting. You, yeah. Like when I was working in McKinney's in Atlanta as, as a young apprentice. Mm-hmm. And like, it always drove me nuts when I would see one of our service trucks with an equally skilled person leaving an area and me pulling into that area. Um, Cause you know, from an efficiency standpoint, we just shot ourselves in the foot because had we had better communication techniques, and I know it was really limited because, you know, this is when you still had to carry around a roll of quarters for a payphone. Right, but, right. You know, I just remember uh, utilizing your resources where they are instead of getting in the truck because every time you crank the truck, you're losing money because you're not, you know, productive. So I just remember little things like that. And not that it was bad. We were doing what we could do. But you always are having to look for little nuggets of, okay, we can make this better. I can get better at this. And, and I, I told myself, you know, I, or I told you guys a while ago, I told her myself, I listened to these things. I don't necessarily like hearing my voice on, you know, tape or whatever you call what we're doing on a chip. <laughs> but, you know, you you have to look at the bad stuff to figure out how to get better. And, yeah. And, and, and know. I know people don't always love this, this term, but it real there is, there is a certain element of fake it till you make it. 
You know, there's yeah. a there's a little bit of that part because in the beginning you don't really know what you're doing. That really goes to any industry where you're going to just try to take it seriously. You just have to take a leap mm -hmm. of faith and not be dumb and reckless. Try to be as informed as you can. But at some point you just have to go. I'm not sure I can handle this, but I sure would like to give it a crack. And and the more times you do that and you succeed, you you prove to yourself that you you can meet the challenge and you get to know your abilities and you get to stretch out a little bit and push yourself outside your comfort zone. And that's where the real growth starts, I think, when you get to those places and you can do that. And then going back to what you were saying earlier, Tyler, um, you're, you're right. I think, it, I think part of it is being inspired, seeing people who go about these things in different ways, including maybe not the college path. You know, the big example I always think of is, look at Steve Jobs. He didn't go yeah. to college. He went and sat in one calligraphy class and then he started Apple and Pixar. What the heck? I mean, that's that's crazy, but his mind just worked differently. And so, you know, that's inspiring, but that's at such a huge level, it can be hard to relate to. So it's cool being able to talk to other people and become friends with other people like like me and Greg, where that our paths were just a little unconventional, share a lot of common ground, but a lot of different stuff too. And that helps to make you go, oh, well, some, some other weirdo <laughs> managed to become successful. Well, if that weirdo can do it, maybe I could do it too. And, you know, and this, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, uh, well said, Mike. Uh, very well said. I don't know that I could add anything that would enhance that flavor at all, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> right on. Good. Well, Tyler, yeah. the clock says that it's that time again. It is that time again. It's the sad time where uh, the recording of another episode is done. But, uh, man, just fantastic stuff from Mike. Uh, this was a blast. Oh, definitely. No, thanks you, Thanks to you both uh, for, for the opportunity. I'd be happy to talk with you again anytime. I really, I really enjoy what you're doing. Uh, I think it's cool that you thought of this and that you're sharing this with people, and I really hope that, uh, that you continue, and I hope it inspires some people. Well, Tyler gets all the credit. Uh, for setting everything up so he just says hey get on here and talk about old old guy stuff so, hey dummy come talk you know there you go <laughs> but mike really do uh appreciate you uh taking time out of your day and you know um, it brother sharing with us and, and reminiscing a bit and uh you know some of those people i'm thinking about would get a kick out of uh being able to sabotage this so that's right they sure would let them they, they can put their comments in the comment field and we'll delete them <laughs> there you go <laughs> All right, Tyler, take us to the house. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. We enjoyed bringing it to you very much. And, of course, uh, we'll be back with more episodes. We were talking before that this was the 20th episode that we've recorded of the show. And so, everyone, thanks for uh, for hanging with us for 20 episodes. We hope to have uh, many, many more multipliers of 20 episodes that was poorly worded but we're gonna leave it in anyways we knew what you meant yeah, yeah exactly exactly so many <laughs> 20s more uh but everybody thank you so much for listening of course we'll be back soon with those episodes but until then for greg crumpton i'm tyler kern we'll talk again soon